Welcome to a brand new episode of the Frontend Happy Hour podcast. COVID has impacted us in so many different ways. One way that it has impacted us and companies is their ability to adapt to being remote. That means there are more and more people that are joining companies remotely. In this episode, we are joined by Lori and Lucero to talk with us about what it's like to join a company being fully remote. Lori and Lucero, thanks for joining us. Can you give a brief introduction of who you are? what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. I'm Lori. I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. I write code for a living. Is that enough of a description? (laughs) And sometimes I make content on the internet. Um, And my favorite happy hour drink is probably a mocktail, ideally one with citrus flavors. Ooh, I like that. I'm Lucero Carmona. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. And my favorite Front, our happy hour drink is a stout. So very chocolatey imperial stout. Nice. Do you have a favorite? Uh, right now I'm drinking Anderson Valley's Arker, huge Arker, which is a bourbon barrel aged one. That'd be good. Let's also give introductions of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start it off? Jem Young, uh, software engineering manager at Netflix. Shirley Wu, what is my title? independent data visualization designer, engineer, uh, soon to be grad school student, only person here that doesn't work at Netflix. <laughs> Not That's yet. awesome. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at, you guessed it, Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Office. Office. All right. If we say the word office from now on, we will all take a drink. I figured let's hop right in. Funny enough, I was thinking about this is what is it like joining a remote team? And even Jem, you and I kind of had a little bit of this too during COVID is switching teams. So it wasn't joining a new company, but it was it was still joining new team and, and dealing with new people. But I'm really curious, Lucero and Lori, joining a new company, new team, fully remote, not being able to meet these people in person. What's that like? I think it's a lot to learn uh, at the same time because you are learning the new company, new technology, those internal systems. That That's a challenge. It's a huge uh, amount to get to know. But then I've really enjoyed it. I thought it was really great to get to know somebody virtually too. It's just been really open, I feel like. So, so far, I've enjoyed the experience. I feel like it might've been a little bit easier for me because I had already onboarded at a remote company because Gatsby is distributed. So even before COVID, everyone was remote. I didn't meet my colleagues in person until like well over six months or seven months into having worked there. I enjoy it. I've always found I'm a very outgoing person, but I'm actually introverted. So when I come to an office for the first time, I'm like, talk, 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 high energy, higher energy. And I just crash. And so having the ability to not be going from desk to desk to desk to desk meeting people and having these breaks and these moments of just like, soak it all in, my brain is on fire and there's too much information when no one's watching you and you can literally just shut down for a second is really helpful. And you don't feel like you're on and performing, you know, for the first eight hours of your first day or the first 40 hours of your first week. You have these like quiet moments to yourself that aren't just going to get water or something. That's, I like that a lot. Both answers, like very positive on it. I feel like maybe because I was so used to being in the office, cheers, that it felt weird for me to join 
hadn't met my manager in person before. I hadn't actually, I don't think I met anyone on my direct team in person yet. Like, even though we've all been working at the same company, we just didn't have a lot of overlap. And so that was unique too, is just like starting to build relationships with a new team remotely. It's possible, totally is. Like it's, it just is a little bit more unique and you have to rely on like different ways to build trust and build that relationship, which sometimes it may seem a little bit easier in person. So that was one thing I noticed. Um, I think it's still possible. I mean, hopefully that I've built some trust and uh, relationships with my team. Do you want to know the one thing that is impossible? Well, it it's the one thing that you lose when you onboard remotely. And it's the one thing that blows everyone's mind if you don't like travel to the location for many, many months. You You get a sense in your brain of how tall everyone is and you're always wrong. You are always, always wrong. And it sort of blows your mind and it like, you are afraid that you have misunderstood everything about this person because to have something as like quintessential as their height be wrong in your brain. You're like, have I just completely not met this person at all? Like for the last six months. You all know Gemma is very short, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's like five, two, I think. Yeah. 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 Two and a half. (laughs) When you're that short, you get to round up. (laughs) But that's literally what happened when I've been in the office a few times this year. One of the comments from uh, one of my fellow managers was like, holy crap, you are tall. And I'm like, I say it everywhere. I say it like all the time. Yeah, people do not believe me. I give a talk at a conference. I walk off stage. People are like, holy crap, you are tall. I'm like, you were just watching me for 10 minutes. Okay, but stage perception is not the same as standing next to someone. And how tall are you? Uh, 6'4". I, probably closer to six five, but it's just six four. You know, I, this isn't Tinder. I don't need to lie about my my height. <laughs> my husband is six three, so I feel like you're gonna feel tall to me, but like no taller than the rest of the walking universe does, because literally everyone is taller than me. It's just a matter of degrees. I think that's been the thing too. Being remote is like I've gotten used to the heights of the people that are most closely around me, and I'm very short. So having anybody who's like towering over me is yes. very weird. Are you how tall are you? Five foot. Okay, I'm 5'3", and I feel the same way, I, but I'm used to my husband being around, so he's, like, really tall, but at the same time, I meet my colleagues, and I have in my brain that they're, like, roughly my height, and I'm just always wrong. I love that that's a, it's a great antidote, though, because it's, like, we're all shoulders, like, you know, chest, shoulders up, and head, and that's it. Like, that's all we are is virtual heads. The great equalizer. True. Like, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. My colleague had a baby, and she was, like, seven months pregnant when she was onboarding and no one knew and she didn't like you had no reason for anyone to ask like she never could have hid that if she was in the office no. and she wasn't hiding it right but like it didn't matter until it was time for her to go on leave so I, like, I think it's it's not that you're hiding it either it's literally right. like there there's this awkward stage too where you feel I mean I'm not a woman but definitely have heard, heard, heard the feelings of like you you're kind of getting you're getting a little bit bigger and it's like it's that point where they're like is that person pregnant or are they not and people aren't going to ask you that and so that's kind of awkward you're still being in the office I say all this because my wife was pregnant during COVID and like same thing is like she didn't have to share that immediately it wasn't and it, you know it's like you still share it you're not hiding anything but you just have a little more freedom on that side and I think that is an equal balancer that's really a great point and for the record, your wife and I probably looked the same at that point because she was building, growing a baby and I was eating, eating COVID junk food. So it really just, it all evened out. 
All right. Uh, so we've we've mentioned some positives. I, I'm there is there is some challenges. Come on, there are some challenges. I'm curious of hearing your thoughts on what what the challenges are. Differences of being remote or being in an office. Cheers. Oh, cheers. My first instinct is um, internet. Internet is not always the most trustworthy thing. It can be mm. laggy. And what's really, really hard, uh, even if you decide to turn on video for a conversation, lag can make it almost impossible to have a conversation because you're trying not to talk over someone and then you are talking over someone and it's just really uncomfortable and awkward and it feels frustrating. And so you cut the conversation short and maybe don't get to the things you want to get to. And if that's your first few interactions with someone and they're just having like a bad internet week or whatever it is, that can be really frustrating because you ha literally have no other options. Well, that's a really great point. And it reminds me, so I haven't had to, well, I guess as a freelancer, I'm just constantly onboarding remotely. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like not to the same extent because I usually don't have to like get to know teammates and I don't need to like, get to know the system usually uh but i was going to say i have had like my partner has um had to onboard remotely during the pandemic i've had a few friends that have had to and i feel like this is another one of those like small things that i i personally never would have thought of until i heard the stories which is like to the point of internet there's also like devices being shipped like i remember you know like pre-pandemic, we would go into the office on our first day, we'd be provided with a laptop, um, probably like an like a little office desk and we can get started right away. Um, I know that my husband had to wait like three days because there was some like, and this was also, you know, last summer where like all of the shipping um, companies were just going crazy. And so there was like, they, uh, tried to deliver but they delivered to the wrong address so it had to be recalled back to the east coast and then they had to like ship a new one over so he like couldn't onboard for like three days and so there was like a crazy thing where like and because it was a big enough company they were having orientation that week so his manager had to like call screen share with him the orientation that was happening yeah. um because like he couldn't access it without having the device um, I've also heard of other friends where like uh, their laptop was stolen on the way to them. And so they like couldn't, you know, start on the first day. So uh, yeah, things that we have never thought of, I think, for starting remotely. Yeah, it's delicate in terms of like, there's so many things that can go wrong that any one of those things going wrong completely ruins the flow of how, how you're operating. I think also, I mean, time zones and location wise, that's mm -hmm. another one that I felt heavily because I like to just be able to just jump in. If there's like an event going on, I want to be, have that option to be there. And sometimes that's not possible. Lucera on the, on, on time zones, can you speak a bit, bit more on that and what, what the challenges are? Yeah. I mean, I love mornings because mornings are so flexible and you're able to uh, really prepare, which is really good. And also like do a lot of errands and, and running and all that stuff has been really great. But sometimes it goes a little bit later in the day than you expect it to. And I feel like, you know, as a manager, you want to be there. Like you want to make sure that people feel supported and that you're available, but it's a little bit taxing if it's too consistent. On the flip side of that, I mean, also on time zones and working late, but as the like IC of the conversation, 
my manager has been super, super clear with me. He's like, you are not to be at your desk past 630 your time, period, hard line. So it's been, uh, we actually noticed like, this is the other thing, it's fragile. Like my colleagues kept scheduling meetings at, from 6.30 to seven my time. And I was like, you know, my boss really wants me to hold a hard line for 6.30. I would like to hold a hard line for 6.30, like start my evening, have dinner, all of those things. And they kept scheduling it. And I was like, like, we gotta figure this out. And we realized that I have two tools in use. I have Clockwise and I'm on Google Calendar. And Clockwise had one set of working hours and Google Calendar had another set of working hours for me. And so it was showing me as available past the time that I had set in the other tool and they weren't in sync. And so I had to go in and fix it. And we realized that all of a sudden that solved the problem. It moved my, my end date a half hour earlier, which is where it should have been and all of that. And on Fridays, it's my, I work East Coast hours, like nine to five and all of those things. But the time zone thing is really interesting for me because I'm used to having colleagues in Europe and I would start my day really early and end my day really early. But now I'm starting my day really late and ending my day later. And my husband works with teams in Africa and Europe. So he starts really early and ends really early. So it's all like, it's weird. And people have asked me about it. Um, and they're like, why do you work remote? Why wouldn't you work in the office? I'm like, because I literally couldn't do my job or work with my team if I, unless I was going to pick up and move to California. So it is absolutely an overall benefit. But yeah, time zones are freaking hard, especially when they're heavily weighted in one direction. I worry about that even more so once there's more hybrid work too, where there is people in the building that the company exists at and then people being remote, it's, it's just going to be even more difficult, I think, because there people are just going to naturally feel like, well, I'm, I'm here from that nine to five time. Hybrid is harder than distributed without a question. And right now we're almost exclusively distributed and it's going to be really interesting to see. I actually wonder if it's going to start becoming team centric where you have entire teams that are remote and entire teams that are in person, depending on what people's interests are, which becomes another element of like, are you interested in this technology? Are you interested in this mission statement? Are you interested in living in California and, you know, within community, within community distance to the office, or are you going to live somewhere else? And does that affect which teams are open to you? It already sort of does, but it might get Cheers. more so. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the, I think it's, it is interesting. Like, I think that when you bring the hybrid piece to it, it's, I think it's teams almost need to have almost 50, 50 split. Like you don't want to be the only one. I mean, I want us to do great. Like the ones that are maybe within commuting distance to an office cheers. I, I want us to try and make sure that we're thinking about people that who are remote, but it is going to be a challenge. Like, and we need to, to get good at that. I am curious, maybe even on those points, like what are some of the challenges that for me, like I already foresee that the time zone points, but also just even the water cooler conversation that everyone keeps referencing or lunches that those conversations happen and you might be left out of them. And so how do you get that context and making sure that your team is providing that to you too? But are there other challenges that you foresee? as people start going back to an actual location. Another challenge is having been to the office and talking to a lot of, mostly other managers in the office right now, which is pretty funny. Uh, but one-on-ones are just more productive in person. Like it, it's not a knock against virtual. It's just, you can see body language. You can tell when someone wants to speak and they aren't versus now I can only see the top half of everybody. There is 
an entire lifetime of our human perceptions based on how people communicate, which is a lot more than what they're saying. It's how they're sitting. It's their, they're tapping their fingers, all the stuff we can't see over virtual. So all of the one-on-ones I've had in person, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is a conversation now. Uh, not saying virtual, it doesn't work. It's just, it's a different, it's a different tone, I would say, versus the, the ones I've had in the office are more informal. And that's a challenge that as, as a manager, I need to overcome and work a lot harder to understand what people are saying and like understand like the subtle nuances of body language or things like that. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, for me, that's a definite, definite challenge to overcome. You have to drink twice, by the way. <laughs> he said it twice, but I didn't want to interrupt him. Cheers. No, we all got to drink twice. That must be especially challenging if someone decides to mute themselves to then like, um, like, because maybe we don't want, you know, some distracting noise, but like, what if we were tapping our fingers and then that gets muted and you don't get that signal? Like if someone chooses to turn off their camera because maybe their Wi-Fi is bad and you can't actually see, like you lose that whole body language. Um, all of that is really challenging. Or you have people in the background that have kids showing up and interrupting <laughs> your meetings and- That's adorable That's though. a value add. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's, a, that's value definitely add. a value add. <laughs> You're getting more information that way. Yeah. That is true. You you get pets. I do like the pets and kids. You you get to know people a little bit on a different level. And even just like seeing people's backgrounds of where they live and what they choose to show off behind them is, is like you get these little things that you wouldn't necessarily do. And so I think that to Jem's point is I do agree with him a lot on the one-to-one in conversation being in person is like super powerful and like you do get a lot of that body language and just energy off each other in in that meeting but there are some things that you still have to like learn about a person on their personal level that you kind of get for free in this virtual world Ooh, but counterpoint to that is like i think that really depends on uh the person right like i think some people are very much I know people that are very much like, this is my work and this is my personal life. And they, they really enjoy that separation. And some people it's like, you know, it's, it's like a lot more fluid and it's a lot more casual, but I can definitely foresee that for people where like, they really like that strict separation. Um, it must be really hard to be then revealing more of their personal life than they feel comfortable with. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people have talked, like, I think they're, this is sort of, not the question, but I think it's important to talk about. There are two specific things that I think are important to be successful as a remote employee. One of them is about the person you are, and one of them about one of them is about the situation you can set up for yourself. You are going to be an infinitely better remote employee if you have a designated working space. Most people who ended up remote because of COVID had never planned for that designated working space. So you have people who had like their beds behind them. And that's, it's not even like, feeling like work is in your personal space. Like that's an uncomfortable thing to be as an employee. You're like, you're seeing my bed all the time. This is my space. Like there's no separation. I see my desk and my computer, even when I'm trying to fall asleep. Like that's a level of lack of separation. We lived in a different house when COVID started than we live in now. And my husband's office was the dining room table and he hated working remote. He now has a designated office in our new space and he's not interested in going back to any office at any time. Like it just made all the difference. And I've been making the joke, my, how far you've come. Um, but the other thing, and this is about a person is 
I don't think you can have introverted is the wrong word, but I don't think you can have successful, super quiet remote employees because remote employees have to communicate twice as loud and twice as much. They have to tell you, hey, I'm stepping away from the computer because you can't see that they're not at their desk. They have to say, hey, I'm struggling with this because you can't see them sighing heavily and slamming you know, their fist on the desk or whatever it is. There are so many things that they have to communicate because no one can see them. And so if you're not a person who that either comes naturally to or you're interested in doing that, you probably prefer when people can pick up on those clues from you instead of you having to verbalize them. So if though, neither of those things for, are true for you, you may much prefer being in an office environment. And that like all goes to the challenges where we've had everyone forcibly in remote positions, whether or not that's what works for them versus like, I feel very lucky that there are infinitely more remote positions for me to choose from because I had already chosen to be a remote employee. That was already a situation that worked for me. I have one counterpart too, just from the idea of like an in-person one-on-one and remote ones. I think that they have different information that you receive from it, but from somebody who's more quiet and reserved within the office, I found that having that remote option just really allowed them to be a little bit more open because they weren't able to do it in person. So it kind of took it away because of the fact that we weren't sitting next to each other, that they could express themselves a little better in at least the one-on-one setting, um, which I thought was really helpful. Also, like, let's go to the big meetings too. I think that that has been so powerful for the raising hand virtually. It's allowing people to speak up that normally maybe just didn't because they were getting cut off. And, you know, there was all, there's always those people that have the powerful voice in the room. I think that the virtual setting where we're all in that world, it's a better level playing field. And I think that that's, I've seen that be really great. Or you can message in the side, right? Like if you're like, ah, I don't really feel like sharing this like to the broad audience, but I can send a message in as a side text message into the meeting. That's really powerful. I think that I'm seeing people contribute to meetings that may not have in the past. And I think that's awesome. We're hearing more opinions from others that may not have felt as comfortable speaking up. So that's cool. That reminds me actually of an experience I recently had where um, it was actually a book club. Um, It's called DataViz Book Club. But it was such an interesting format because instead of, you know, virtually gathering in a video call, it's actually all in a document. Um, And it's not... It's not Google Docs, but it's very similar. And the way that it's structured is that the organizer um, has like, you know, maybe three questions about the book. And instead of it being like, you know, we have all of these awkward stepping on each other as we're trying to like, you know, speak and and we kind of, yeah, we accidentally speak over each other. Um, everybody just, they, they, you know, they just type out their responses. Like each person, they like start a new bullet point and they'll be like, oh, this is what I thought about this book. Or like they might introduce themselves and then um, start a bullet point being like, oh, my name is Shirley. This is what I do. And that was so cool because in the span of an hour and a half, there's just so much discussion that can happen. And there's like so much information um, sharing that can happen because now the conversation is happening almost asynchronously. So it was a very interesting, like there was a main document where everybody was typing the res- their responses to the questions. And then actually it was so funny because then like people would chain like bullet points um, as responses. Basically, I guess it was like live asynchronous Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> <Ish. laughs> 
<laughs> and then there was like a chat on the side that you can have like casual conversation. Um, so interesting. I don't know if that's like something that will work in a meeting, but like if it's like a ideas gathering meeting, I would imagine that that would be a really cool format to try. I've definitely seen tools like that being used really live meetings, but even sometimes the asynchronous method of like allowing people to contribute into whether it is like a Google doc or memo or some, there are some great tools out there that are trying to enable this like collaboration for this a virtual space. And I think it's really powerful because some people are so good at communicating in their written form versus a verbal communication, there's differences there. And so you can be more effective sometimes just like mm -hmm. communicating in written form. To be honest, like a lot of what we're saying right now is communication is going to be what makes or breaks this, like especially in a hybrid or being remote, doesn't matter. Communication has always been important in our jobs. It's just now the bar is that much higher. And I think it's like our jobs to make sure that we are communicating effectively and finding things that work for us and our teams to be effective. I have a follow-up question about communication, which is that um, as one of my big rules or one of the things I try to avoid with my client project is having one clear point of contact that like, you know, when I'm working with that client, um, it's usually that I'll go to that person for final say or final decision on whatever I'm working on. Um, and if, and the last client project I had, I had three points of contact. And that was something that like, was kind of <laughs> a learning experience to learn to manage. So then my question is, is that is there something similar for you when you're onboarding to like a new team where um, presumably you probably have like your manager, that's your main point of contact, but then like, what if you had also a technical lead that you had to work with or like, like just do you happen, do you end up having multiple points of contact? And then is that, I, I would imagine that that's harder remotely versus like in office. Cause I would imagine if it was in office and I have multiple points of contact, I may just like, talk to one person, then run to the other person and talk to that person. And then like, just like try to catch them in the office versus I would imagine that'd be a lot harder remotely. I don't even know how many times you said office, Shirley, but cheers. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> cheers. I don't think it's any harder. Um, and the reason I don't think it's any harder is like, like you said, if you're running to the office, like people have meetings, they're not at their desk. Like that's no different than pinging someone on Slack. And can we, you know, quickly chat about this either uh, on Slack or, or through meets or, I mean, we have a, we have discord voice channels for my team. Like there, there's no difference in trying to get those people in those mediums as there would be um, for, for getting them in person. That being said, this all sort of circles back to like the water cooler piece of, of the puzzle, which is it is never going to be harder for me as a remote employee to get in touch with one person versus the other person. It is harder for them if they are in the office. Have you set up the office to make impromptu quick calls at your desk possible? And I think there's a lot of conversation happening about that now. I know amongst my team where it's like, I don't really feel comfortable being on a call when the entire floor is quiet and it's an open office plan, right? So I can do that at any time. I'm set up for that. Are we setting up the people who are in the office to communicate with me through that medium? Like that's a big open question. Can they communicate with the person who sits next to them just as well as they can communicate with me through 
their computer. And there's never usually enough offices. I mean, when everybody comes back, it's always a mad rush to see if anybody could even find that space. Yeah. And so it's like, maybe you need to redo the open office plan and like give people very soundproof sort of things where there's, there's some idea of like, I don't know what it's called, like a, a phone booth or something where you can have these like things where people can go in, which feels better, I guess. But like, how many of them can you have? Can you fit more than one person in there at the same time? Like, well, I mean, there, we do have these, they exist today. I know you, you haven't seen the office yet. No, I- Cheers. <laughs> we do have these, which are great. There's some that are very single and like I saw Jem shaking his head. Yes, you were a single person. You're not going to put anyone else in there with you. But then we have ones that are a little larger where you could fit two people sitting comfortably. I think even a little bit bigger than that too, where you could fit a couple more people. And so you can have, it's like sitting at like a table across from each other in this sound booth. It, it's, it is soundproof too. Like it's, it's wild. It feels like you're just like sucked all the air out and it's like just silent in there. It's, it's kind of... It's weird. I, I don't eerie. mind it, but it's weird. It is eerie. You can fit you- one one gem. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess that's why Jem's shaking his head. He's like, no, even the big ones, I can't fit multiple they're people so small. in. You, you wouldn't want to be in there. They're hot. And they're not I even- feel like, Jem, we've recorded a podcast, just you and I, in on before. So it's, it is possible. I think we the sat overrated. across from each other. We did, the overrated, yes. unrated episode. Yes, did. exactly. I don't remember what number episode that was. Probably like episode four. 50 i don't even know i think one thing we haven't brought up and more you're, you're kind of talking about it to a degree is you can't tell mood remotely like you can't feel the mood of an office the mood of a team but that's a real thing like you ever walk into a business and you're like this has a weird oh vibe. yeah or you walk through an office you're like what happened did someone get let go or is everybody jubilant because someone's having a baby or you miss that and that's like managing a team remotely that's something I've struggled with is like, how do I tell the mood of my team other than like one-on-ones and team meetings? Like, how do I tell things are going well, things aren't going well. I can ping them on Slack, but people are going to be like, Hey, how you doing? What's the American answer? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, it's yeah. part of our greeting. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution to that is. And I don't want to force people to be in like a social event when they don't want to be just so I can gauge their mood. Cause that's very selfish, but can I give you a recommendation. Yes, please. So my old team did this and it sounds weird at first and it takes a little bit of getting used to, but if you have any sort of Slack robot for like status or whatever, um, there was a question at the beginning, I think it was like, how are you feeling or something like that? And at first it was just like, fine, 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 fine. But over time people get really comfortable with that question. And so they say like, good or meh or whatever. And there's actually a, a robot that's designed to gauge those words and look at if the team is in like a green level or a yellow level or a red level. And if, and sometimes people will be really honest, be like, I'm having a really crummy day. Like I had that once, I think something was stressful about buying a house, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and my manager reached out to me and he's like, why don't you take the afternoon and like walk away from your desk and go for a walk. And like, you have one call you have to be on and you can take that while you're going for a walk or something. And it's not perfect. It's not a perfect substitution for like, you just feel like your team has a mood, but it gives you a lot more of that. And people do get comfortable with it over time. Um, and it gives you some way of gauging the sort of like the things that you can't really say or write or explain. It's just sort of like a vibe. I like that. I mean, there's, that's the thing is I think we have to get comfortable trying different things and trying different tools 
it's never going to be like, we're trying to make up for something that was like in person versus being remote. And I don't think we have to look at it that way. It's like, how do we figure this out and be effective? So it's like to Jem's point of like measuring the room. It's like, I'm not going to force everyone to just like go to the social <laughs> event so that I can get that. But it's like, are there ways in which still gives you those signals? And I think that still is something that we're learning. I, I think there are solutions, but it's like, it's still figuring that out what works for you and your team. I've noticed like Lori mentioning her manager a lot and like, Lori, your manager sounds awesome. Wait, who is your, is it Ryan? Am I just, it's like, not, no, no, no. <laughs> He's no, great it, though. He is great. <laughs> admittedly, the manager I was just mentioning is my last manager at my last company, but I have previously mentioned my manager at Netflix and yes, he is awesome. Um, I can give him a shout out, right? Is that against the rule? Absolutely. Give him a shout out. He's great. Uh, my manager is Basanth, um, and he's awesome, and he's never had a remote employee before, and he's spent so much time trying to make my and my colleague, who's also remote, um, our experiences really collaborative and uh, wonderful. So shout out to Basanth. He's great. Our manager was the same way for Sean. He's been really great. Sean's great, too, by the way. I'm just like going to say that <laughs> as well. That's awesome, because, yeah, I kept on hearing Lori talk about like all of the things that your manager has done to make the onboarding kind of smoother so then I guess the question is like um and I think we've dropped like hints here and there from like kind of um uh but what are some tactics that you've been using as managers to the three managers in this virtual room what are tactics that you've been using um that you know have been working well to like onboard and make your new employees feel more comfortable and welcomed. A couple of things that I've found oddly useful is maybe even similar to what Lori was saying on the check-in thing is early in COVID, it was like, we started doing this as a team where we, you know, we have our private team uh, chat in Slack, like just a channel. And it was just like little things of saying like, good morning, or like, how's it going? Or like, oh, happy Friday. And everyone was chiming in with this. And it, it wasn't so much measuring the health, but it was replacing what we were usually doing in the office setting, cheers, where you would walk by each other's desks, and you would just be like, oh, good morning. And hi, how was the weekend? And so we were doing that as a bit of a replacement, just like kind of just got in the habit of it. It wasn't like we called it out. It was just something we started doing. So I, I found that to be fairly useful. Another thing too, that I started doing is just even sometimes checking in with people a little more through something like Slack, not just waiting for a one-on-one -on -one to say like, oh, how's things going? It's like just remembering certain things that people on my team were maybe dealing with. Like maybe like Lori said, purchasing a house. You're like, how's that coming? I would do that in the office in person, but now I'm like, oh, well, I'll just send them a direct message on Slack and just see how that's going. And so I think it's just like looking for ways in which I would operate in a in-person setting and saying like, well, how do I do this a little bit differently? Um, and so that's something I also want to try and remember in that hybrid world where if I'm in the office, how am I thinking about people that are remote and cheers again for this is the, I'm saying it so many times. <laughs> um, do you do that more for your new employees or like, do you check in even more with your new employees or is it just about the same, like just specifically more about the onboarding That's a good part. point. You, you did mention the onboarding. I will say another onboarding thing. And I, I believe I've even shared it on an episode in the past, but one thing that early on, it, it was like end of March, I think was, uh, I had an engineer that was starting on my team. So he's super new and didn't, we didn't even know how to onboard people. Like it was so early for us. Like it wasn't just, Netflix was not really used to doing that. 
one thing that I can't even take credit for, it was someone on our iOS team had done this, was they set up a, it wasn't a private uh, channel, but they set up, set up a engineer onboarding just for this uh, engineer. And it was great so that anyone could join or get added if there was a question that was relevant. And so it was even broader than just your direct team. Like you'll have your direct team Slack, but this is super helpful. It was just like, he felt very comfortable that he could go into this channel. It's his channel and ask people, and then they could even just pull in someone else. Ah, this person's great for this advice. So that to me, I've done that since. Like, I think that that one's like very powerful. And I've, I've shared that with other leaders at Netflix. And I just thought that was such a great idea. And I couldn't even take credit for it. It's just another engineer did it. And I was like, this is amazing. For me, when I was onboarding some new teammates that were virtual, it was dedicating a lot of time. So anticipating that they were coming, I locked down my calendar and made sure that they had all the time because it's just so much information that they had to get on board with and start learning. But for people who are, I guess me coming in as a new manager, I haven't hired for Netflix yet so far, but one tactic I like to use is adding overflow time after the one-on-ones. And it's only on my calendar. It's not for the individuals, but if they want to continue talking, I hate the idea of abruptly cutting them off because I have to jump to the next meeting. So making it more natural of the flow that you would get back if you were in the office. I'm still in that idea. Lucero, yeah, I'm totally stealing that, that one that's too. That's a great idea because that, that happens to me all the time. We're like, good conversation. I'm like, gotta go, got my next one on one. I don't want to be rude to that person. Uh, great, great tip uh, as always. Uh, and Lucero and I, disclaimer, have very regular one on ones where we have great conversations. So uh, I get, I've learned lots from her. Um, one thing that has helped so far is being explicit with our working hours and our support hours. Uh, just as a team, like, hey, what do we? What do we think we should all be at our desk generally available? And just being explicit on that. So we're not scheduling four o'clock meetings, which would be seven o'clock on the East Coast time. Uh, is just really easier to plan your life about. And that way, if you're like, hey, I don't want to bother someone. I don't know what they're doing. It's during working hours. We generally expect people to be at their desk unless they're not. It was really, really helpful, I think, for the team. Uh, but I don't know. Hopefully that... I'm learning the life of managers. You you hope things are useful and that the team also thinks they're useful. They may not be, but so far that that has landed really well. Uh, also, like you said, the you got to have regular one-on-ones. I assume every engineering manager now has one-on-ones, but you have to have them. You even if it's painful, even if you're like oh, I've got nothing to talk about, you fill up the time. You always do, but you just don't know what's going on in people's lives, especially with kids and childcare and house stuff. We all have house stuff to deal with at some point. Uh, just making that time and being thoughtful really goes a long way. Uh, and I'd say the last one is, um, this is a little bit more obscure, but making sure they have the right equipment. I The first thing I did was like, hey, how's your laptop? And it turned out like one of my team members is like, ah, the keys, keys suck. And, uh, you know, it's really annoying. I have to deal with this every day. It's my jiggle the power cord. I'm like, get a new laptop, man. Like just... <laughs> Get a new one. I know it's a privilege of working at Netflix where we can do these sort of things, but it's such a minor thing in the grand scheme of, of the productivity of the team member. Just getting a better laptop, microphone, webcam, it just makes their life easier. And a lot of times people don't realize that it was such a, a point of like cognitive pain for them that they're like, oh yeah, this is so much easier with a new laptop. Thanks for pushing me to get that. It's such an easy thing we can do as managers. Can I do a couple of things that people helped me with when I onboarded? So there are three things that stood out. So one is, um, obviously I knew I had my manager, but they gave me a buddy on my team who was like designated to not necessarily answering 
the questions, but hey, who do I ask about this? Because you have no idea what like the triage is like of where you're supposed to go to get answers to certain questions. Um, the second was they put all of my, not, I mean, not all, all of my onboarding, but like most of my onboarding into this giant, like 10 page doc that was broken up into a bunch of different sections and like first day, first couple days, first week, first month about, and it sort of stopped there, but I could take that in my own time. Like I could digest that at a pace. And honestly, for most of those things, I like scanned them and was totally overwhelmed and then knew to come back to them when I had more context and sort of understood what the words all meant and who the players were. And then the last thing, and this is just sort of, I think people forget that a lot of onboarding is fun because it's a new job, but it's also like work things. So my team made a choice, made a point and Jem did too. And Ryan did too, of like pinging me and being like, here are the fun things about working at Netflix. Like, make sure you know about this cool thing or make sure you like go and get some swag or all of these other things. Like the things that you would find out eventually, but it sort of balances out everything that feels overwhelming and daunting with like, there are perks. Like it's not all work. There's, there's great people and, and we have fun and we're building an entertainment system. So like, what's not awesome about that? So having that balance was really nice as well. I agree with that. Just the fun things that make the culture of the feel of that company, you get to know it a little bit better. And I love it when people just message of like, hey, you don't know this, but this awesome thing also exists. Like the map of which building has Skittles or M&Ms <laughs> or peanut M&Ms. Oh yeah, those are like shared secrets that people are like, yeah, yeah, you got to go, you, you got to know about this one because the, the candy is different in this building. Um, and it's really funny is like, so I've hired and onboarded engineers for years at Netflix. And that's something that the buddy system has been around way before remote. And like, same thing with like that massive doc of like, for what to expect on your first day, week, month, six months. And I think it's so helpful just to have that clarity. And you're right. A lot of it's all overwhelming. Like I'm always like, don't read the whole doc now, but you can still reference that for a while. And I think that that's so helpful. And then having that direct buddy is like, yeah, they may not have all the answers, but at least you have that connection with them to like, they can help point you in the right direction. Well, I think this is a, a lot of great advice that we've shared here. Hopefully a lot of people found some good advice here. Let's jump into picks. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to share things that we found interesting with all of you, and hopefully you'll find them interesting too. Shirley, you want to start us off? I think a few episodes ago, Jem recommended Drive to Survive on Netflix, the, the Formula One <laughs> docu-series. Um, and then uh, I, we finally watched it uh, a few weeks ago. Oh my God. I a thousand percent agree with Jem. Holy crap. And, but I'm going in as someone that like did not know anything about F1, like never knew about, you know, all of the high stakes drama. Um, and that had us hooked. We binged it. Uh, it was, yeah, I, that's all I got to say. Cause Jem already did a really great job pitching it. Um, but I'm just plus one in to drive to survive. Um, the second one is also on Netflix. Um, and it was something that we recently came across and it's called, this is pop. Um, and I think it's a, is it, a, is it also a docuseries? I'm not hundred percent sure, but every episode they kind of like cover either like a genre, I think a genre of music or like a, an era in music. So we've only seen the first two episodes so far, but I think the first one was about like boys to men and like kind of that rise of boy bands um, and how 
all of the boy groups I came after, like really owe it to boys to men. And then the second episode was about uh, auto-tune and T-Pain and all the shit that T-Pain got, uh, undeserved because he was awesome, but uh, all of the shit that he got. And I'm really excited for the rest of the episodes, but I just think it's like, as someone that's like, you know, not that well-versed in music or music history, um, it's just been really fun to watch and learn um, and just very well produced and entertaining. So highly recommend This Is Pop. And I have one final one that is an anti-pick. <laughs> um, this is the first time I've ever done an anti-pick. Is this the first time ever that someone's done an anti-pick? <laughs> Gem, Gem does them all the time. But those are still, like, that's Valley Silicon. This is, this is just, this is just a straight anti-pick, which is, I think, a few episodes ago. Again, I recommended this anime called So I'm a Spider, So What? Um, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm 10 episodes in, it's so entertaining. The main character is amazing. Voice acting is amazing. Um, I have since finished the first season and I am going to put in my first, I retract <laughs> my pick. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad. The animation quality was bad. It just went downhill. I'm sorry to anybody that actually did listen to the pick. Um, I retract that pick. Uh, so yeah, those are all of my... <laughs> Surely that's the first time anyone's retracted a pick that I can think okay. of. So th there, okay. you've got a first there. I also yeah. love that you came on the episode with a bunch of Netflix people and just shared Netflix episode or like series. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was pur purpose to just like be like, oh yeah, you guys are doing good work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the third one, the anti-pick is not Netflix. Sure. Uh, even that is. But so then that kind of, I know I was like, it's kind of, uh, <laughs> it works really well. I, I feel like I have to go next just because I just go came up it. with a pick based on what Shirley just said, which is I, I haven't seen This Is Pop, but if anyone has not, go watch T-Pain's Tiny Desk concert on YouTube. One of the most incredible things you'll ever see in your life. It's so good. I had no idea. I watched this like a few years ago. Um, mind blown. He's an incredible singer. Like the auto-tune is just for effect. Like he's so fantastic. Go watch it. So I guess I have to do my actual picks now, but I just needed to add that because it's really important and people need to witness this. This is not Netflix. So I'm the Netflix employee being, you know, a terrible employee right now, but we've gotten addicted to Love Island USA. We've watched some of the UK episodes of Love Island. It's a ride, my friends. There's always a twist. There's always something. It's total trash television. I'm not going to deny that it is, but it's fantastic. Um, and you can like, mock them relentlessly not the people but like the process of the show and like the same conversations they have and like it's a whole thing and then the second thing which has nothing to do with television or software or anything is um deep kitchen sinks that are not divided is my pick of the week satisfying kitchen sinks that you can actually fit your tall pots into that um now exist in my household is just a very exciting satisfying pick of the week month year forevermore all right, Lucero, what uh, picks do you have for us? I have two picks. The first one is vacation races. So when I listen to podcasts, I listen to them on long distance runs because that's what I do for fun. And I've done a lot of races before in the past. So this one is like highly recommended after somebody who's done a lot of them at this point. And the reason I like them specifically is because of the fact that they have a really great partnership with national parks. So you get to go to someplace that's really beautiful to begin off with. And they do like somewhat plan a little bit. So even after the races, they have like, hey, these are your challenges for hikes and picturesque things that you can kind of do in the area. 
they're super sustainable too, like in terms of like not using a lot of waste and like reducing the amount of waste that usually comes from races in general. And then the last thing I'll add for that one too is just that they're not just for national parks. They do wineries, international trips, bike rides. Like this is the one, you guys, this is the one. But then my second pick is uh, Radio Lab because that's my second favorite podcast. Like obviously Front End Happy Hour is number one spot. But this one for sure is a great one for storytelling. They do a lot of science, history. I've learned a lot technology-wise too. It's just really enjoyable to, to listen to. And we did not pay you to say that. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jem, what do you have for us? All right, Lucera, when you said uh, your, your first pick, I, I thought you said vacation racist. And I was like, oh, this should be spicy. <laughs> Let's see what vacation racist means. Uh, but no, vacation racist. That's that's a great idea. And you're reminding me that as an older gentleman now, I have still have no hobbies and I really need to get one. Running is probably not gonna happen, but you know. Anyways, I, I, I highly recommend Lego. I don't get into Legos either. I feel like I, I'm the only one. Like I'm not in the shoes, like a lot of people I know, and I'm not in the Legos. I guess I'm in the cars. I only have one and I only have space for one. I, I don't know. I, I have no hobbies. This is like an ongoing, this is like my midlife crisis is not having a hobby, which is really weird. Not even during the pandemic? So much time. No, I don't. I, I, I mean, I occasionally video game, but I wouldn't call it a, a hobby. Uh, I work on the house, but I wouldn't call that a hobby either. It's more because I have to. Yeah, anyways, th this is not anybody's problem or any listener's problem. This is just a gem problem. We'll work through it together. Uh, I have two picks today. Uh, the first one is one of my favorite real television shows on uh, TV, which is Alone. I've picked a previous season before. There's a new season on Netflix. For those that don't know, Alone is, they have 10 survival experts. They drop them off in the Arctic, Arctic, like maybe in fall, like right before winter is about to set in. So they only have a certain amount of time to get their shelter and all that. And they are completely alone. There's no help, there's no backup, there's no water, anything. And I really like it because it's it's authentic. It's as authentic as you can get. You can lie. I think you can lie to yourself for a long time, but you're going on 60 days by yourself alone in the Arctic. You can't lie anymore. And you're just like as genuine as possible and seeing people's evolution over time and like they realize what's important. It mostly comes down to family and people. They realize like it's a lot more, a lot more important than they thought. But like seeing these people have these revelations over time is just, it, it's really great television. Uh, big fan of Alone. My second pick isn't a Valley Silicon pick. It's, uh, I guess it's kind of an anti-pick, more of a, this is our tech dystopia that we're all building together. It is a smart motorcycle vest. So it's a motorcycle vest that when you get into an accident or detects it, it automatically inflates and protects you. These are really amazing devices. However, this one is on a subscription. So if you stop paying for it, it doesn't work anymore, which is, I, I understand the business model there, but I, I just, I don't know. It, it kind of runs counter to the idea of a safety device that doesn't work anymore if you stop paying for it, which is kind of what you agreed to with the subscription, et cetera. But I don't know, man. It's, this is just like a bad road to be on. And I am not a fan of it. I am not a fan of cars that you have to pay to unlock upgrades or something that's already built into the car but you still have to pay for it i i don't know this is just like a bad dystopia that we're heading into and there's nothing we can do i feel like anything that tries to capitalize off of human lives is just absolute shit and i agree with you and i think their their argument is you agreed to the subscription you could have bought it outright and it'll work permanently but 
because there's no there's no standardization or standards body for being a software engineer, who's to say some intern doesn't write a bug that trickles down and disables your safety vest as you're writing and it, you know, you die because of a software mistake. That's, I mean, that's a reality that we all have to deal with. It happens with smart or self-driving cars, et cetera. So like, I don't know, I, this goes on my, I, I guess my, not everything needs to be internet connected rants that I've been on many, many times, but I would say safety equipment should never be internet connected. It shouldn't ever have mm -hmm. to phone hold anything. It should just work. Many, uh, many plus ones for what it's mm -hmm. worth. <laughs> like we, when we're picking all the things for the kitchen, they're like, do you want to smart this and smart that? I'm like, nothing in my kitchen should connect to the internet. None of it, <laughs> none of it. Why, why would I want that? I build software. Do you know how buggy that crap is? <laughs> Don't tell Ryan though. We, he and I no. are like head to head on but, this. But I'm actually agreeing with Lori on that too. It's like, I don't have smart fridge or all those types of things. I don't need that. It's like, usually my stuff is somewhat practical, like blinds that I can open and close. Like that is super mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah, but some of the things where it's like, could cause pain, like a stove. I don't want that. I've seen Mr. Robot uh, where they like yeah. lady's house and like make it do all sorts of crazy things. And it's not far-fetched at all. Like these are realities. No. Anyways, that's my soapbox. We haven't, we haven't done an episode in a bit. I've had a lot of rants built up and, you know, thank you all for listening. Now, now I'm good again. I don't need therapy. I, I, I have a podcast. You have. All right. Well, on that note, uh, I do have two picks. I No smart devices, Gem, so we're safe there, hopefully. I have one Netflix uh, series, actually a docu-series as well. It's called Heist. It covers three real heists that happened. It's really well done. They do two parts for each heist and they get the real people too that they're talking to that are involved. Not all the people, obviously, because some may investigations still may be ongoing, but it, it's just really well done. And just they go in depth on some of the heists and how they were done and all the prep and everything that goes. And I think I've picked heist things before, like the heist podcast. So this, this felt fell nicely where I was like, oh, I'm totally going to watch this. And it was really good. I enjoyed it. And then my second pick is kind of a weird one, but it's, uh, I'm big into like not getting burnt by the sun. I care a lot about all my tattoos and I finally was like, oh, I should just get some clothing, especially when driving, like when I'm doing longer drives that is protects you from the sun. And I found a cool company called Cool Bar that's does some pretty decent clothing. I found a couple of hoodies that I've purchased that I've really liked. They're light, but they're also protecting me from the sun. So I thought I would add that as a pick. So if anyone wants to stay out of the sun, they work great and they, they're comfy. All right. Well, that is everything for today's episode. I want to thank Lori and Lucero for joining us. Thank you so much. It was awesome having you both on. Where can people get in touch with you? Lori, you may as well start. I'm on Twitter at Lori on Tech. I'm pretty much everywhere at Lori on Tech and all everything links from my website or my Twitter. So yeah, that's where I can be found. Sarah. I actually have a Twitter account, which I completely forgot. <laughs> but you probably won't find me there. So LinkedIn, you could definitely find me there. Right on. Well, thank you all for listening to today's episode. You can find us on frontendhappyhour.com. You can find us on Twitter at frontendhh. You can really listen to us on whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. Please subscribe. Any last words? Ryan has picked heist stuff so many times. <laughs> I, I just want to say, if there's a heist in the future, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no he's going to go from, man, heists are really cool to be like, Jim, you want to plan a heist? I'll be like, no, that's ridiculous. 
and I'll talk to you. You do know that you're like, if there's a heist being done, that if I'm doing it, you are involved. Like we're just incriminating <laughs> ourselves right now, but yeah. like Jem is my accomplice, period. So this is like how to plan a perfect murder where you write the book and then actually do the murder. Yeah, yeah no, like, and Jem can deny that he's not part of it, but like he's part of it. <laughs> I'll be like, your honor, do you, think, do you really think we're dumb enough to talk about the heist <laughs> on a podcast? Really yes. Better than that. <laughs> 